with a shot. This is Who Kicked the Corner Flag, a Premier League game show podcast recorded for you from Kansas City, Missouri. I'm your host, James Rose, and I'm joined by the chairman of the KC Spurs fan group, the man who makes plea bargains to get a light snack, and who continues to grow quite a healthy beard. It's Gerard Bustamante. There, bud? I am here. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good. And to my audio right, he's the chairman of the Arsenal KC fan base. He spent eight hours plus watching sports on Sunday and can whistle a perfect D minor arpeggio. It's Boyce Richardson. You there, bud? I am indeed. How are you, sir? I am grand. Right, starting as usual with the top four this week. And we are going to start with Jared this week. So, my friend, what do you think made the top four in quite an exciting weekend of fixtures? What do we think? Lots to unpack here. Uh... I'm going to go with West Ham shocking Chelsea. You would be correct, sir. That did make the list. However, and I'm quite surprised about this too, it, it made fourth spot. So it only got the one point okay. for you. Uh, but it did make the list nonetheless. Uh, West Ham winning the game 1-0, early goal. Um, redemption for West Ham perhaps, Jared. What do we think? Any signs of life for this team? It depends on who you ask. Uh, I think there were. Uh, this was a London derby that no one expected to go this way. Uh, I think you could probably count some of the you know, West Ham players amongst that. Uh, but uh, you know, they're bound to earn points somewhere, and uh, I think they did it in a kind of a, a kind of a headlining way. So mm. no one's gonna no one's gonna complain about that. But um, I don't know. They're gonna need a, a continued run of form. Uh, uh, in order for any size of relief to really be uh, buried over there. But, uh, uh, I mean, t- take nothing away from him. That is a Chelsea side that we've talked time in, time out of, uh, you know, uh, Eden Hazard kind of doing whatever he would like with the ball. And mm-hmm. uh, it looked like they've done what a lot of people haven't been able to do at Chelsea and keep him at bay. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Uh, Boyce, do you think this was a bad day at the office for Chelsea or signs of... Potential weakness, perhaps. What do you think? Well, it was certainly comforting to see Chelsea take Arsenal's MO and allow a six-minute goal from uh, Marco Arnautovic. Uh, (laughs) But unfortunately for Chelsea, they don't have Olivier Giroud. But I think the reality here (laughs) is perhaps this is the David Moyes that Sir Alex Ferguson thought he might get when he signed him up at Manchester United. But I don't think this really says much of anything about West Ham. Alvaro Morado was absolutely profligate in this game he did absolutely nothing of note and probably could have been subbed off in the 10th minute without any regard you know and one of those days where Eden Hazard just didn't look at his best and when those two aren't firing Chelsea just don't have much on the bench in the way of scoring potential I just don't think Mishy Bashuai is going to be enough to be able to come in and get you goals so you know I think it's just a, a blip on the Chelsea radar they'll be fine next week and hopefully West Ham United are back to their terrible ways on Wednesday when they <laughs> My beloved Gooners. We'll see what happens. That's probably going to be the case, but you never know. It's the Premier League. Um, We shall see. Uh, Let's swiftly move on then. Boyce, we're over to you. 
first, second, and third still to guess. So what do we think? I'm going to go with Jose Mourinho's beautiful, epic, petulant meltdown at the end of the Manchester Derby, which they got owned by Manchester City. You would be absolutely right, and that did snag the top spot this week, so that gives you the golden four points. Yes, and of note too, I read this recently, that Mourinho actually had a bust-up with their goalkeeper, and milk was thrown in one or the other direction, who knows, um, which sounds quite interesting. Uh, I think there was punch-ups too, but uh, anyway, beside the point, let's talk more about the game itself, because this was a, a very, you know, very important game. Um, what was Man United missing? Let's start with them first of all. Like, they clearly, you know, Mourinho and his master plans and all that jazz, but in terms of their setup, maybe, in terms of their approach, what one thing did they miss from this game? Well, I think first and foremost, they're talking about missing your $100 million midfielder thanks to his petulant stamp in the Arsenal game the week before. I think that's obviously a pretty big deal. And the other thing about that fight that I'd like to throw in here is the fact that of all of the litany of crimes Jose Mourinho has perpetuated throughout his time in the Premier League, the fact that that fight resulted in harm to the face of one Mikel Arteta is simply criminal. (laughs) Yep. Is something that cannot and uh, should not be stood for. Yeah. But I think that the absence of Paul Pogba was a pretty big deal for Manchester United in this game. But I don't think it would have mattered in the end. I think that Lukaku was a bit starved of service. Um, it was just one of the situations where he wasn't getting the ball where he needed it. Just because Manchester City are the most dominant Premier League team of the last decade. And I think... Mourinho's reaction at the end of the game was simply born out of the fact that he finally realizes that Pep's got one over on him in the Premier League and understands that teams two through seven in the table are pretty comparable, but no one's going to catch Manchester City. Mm -hmm. And without Manchester United evidencing any semblance of a midfield, there was no way they were going to stay in this match. And City dominated throughout. I think... Mourinho calling City's two goals flukish after the one that I believe Rashford scored for United is just ridiculous. And, you know, it was odd to see Ederson, of all people, standing on his head in the 85th minute doing his best David De Gea impersonation. But that was a pretty impressive (laughs) double save that he reeled off. Mm -hmm. But other than that, I think Manchester City clearly deserved to win this game. And they clearly deserve to be winning the Premier League by 11 points right now. Yeah, I agree. And one thing I read actually call it a comedy of errors because the two goals the first and the second were perhaps arguably defensive mistakes but uh jared do you think at this point uh do you think manchester city can be beaten do you think they're going to go on and win the title undefeated i think they can and they will be beaten uh as voice alluded uh rashford's goal right before the break uh I think that evidences a, a, a weakness if they are to have any you had a double miscue uh, from Otamendi and Delph in the back, just gifting uh, Rashford a, uh, uh, a put away. Yeah, and I think if any, if there is any weakness, uh, it uh, it's going to be that left side of defense. Uh, Kyle Walker, since coming uh, 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 since coming over, uh, has been has been stellar on that right side, but for his temper, which is something that he was known for at Spurs. Uh, he does have a rec card to his name over at City. Um, but I think if anyone is going to make a dent in this City season, it's going to be, one, having some kind of presence in midfield, as Boyce was saying. I mean, Kevin De Bruyne uh, and David Silva were just having a field day. They could do whatever they wanted in mm-hmm. the midfield. 
but it was a long switch and a defensive miscue that led to a goal. I think uh, if a team can kind of put these pieces together and uh, uh, have a West Ham host Chelsea kind of day, then yes, they can be beaten, but uh, perhaps it'll come this Saturday. <laughs> you never know, it might. They have yet to play Spurs this season. And that could be the one team that they fall to. We'll see. But um, one thing real quick I want to take away from this too is the fact that Romelu Lukaku had a fantastic defensive clearance. Of course, I joke, because that ultimately led to the second goal. But uh, on Lukaku real quick, um, is he worth his $75 million price tag? I would say yes. I mean, he probably hasn't evidence, or he probably hasn't had the best season in the world for United this year. But you look at, look at Everton, if you need any indication of Lukaku's value. You know, it's a situation where Sam Allardyce, of all people, has managed to turn that club around. But I think their early struggles were due to the fact that they just don't have the point man of the level of Lukaku. And, you know, in the in the days before Lacazette, I would have happily taken him on Arsenal. And this far into the season, I still echo that comment. Mm, interesting. Yeah, we'll see. Hopefully he uh, gets some more goals again. Uh, right, Jared, we're back to you. We have second and third still to guess. So what do you think? Well, let's see. I'm going to take the uh, Merseyside Derby and a controversial penalty award mm-hmm. uh, for Everton. You would be correct. Yep, that's it. Yep, that uh, that got the second spot. So you get the three points for that. Nice work. And yes, the score being 1-1, and it obviously was a very controversial penalty. So the question straight off the bat here, Jared, was it a penalty to Everton? You know, it was interesting. I think it was uh, Phil Neville who uh, was one of the commentators on that match. And uh, Neville kind of showing his uh, defensive-mindedness, you know, despite wearing an Everton strike for so long. Uh, He hated it. He said, no, there's no way that's a penalty. Uh, And though he admitted no seeing contact, I, uh, as a former striker myself, I see it. uh, It was... uh, uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who made the uh, made the contact, I think is I think is a smart play by a striker. There was certainly contact, and I, and I believe it was Lovren, uh, who we've talked to time and time again of some defensive miscues, and uh, and like previously on the podcast, uh, you simply cannot run into the back of a of a sprightly winger like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're you're just simply asking for trouble. I don't think it was as controversial as everyone was saying it was. However. Uh, if I were, uh, I said this as a neutral, if I were not heard of a Liverpool supporter, uh, if happened to Spurs, probably be singing a different tune. But mm. I think objectively, uh, uh, it's not uh, uh, it's not the worst call in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was certainly an interesting one. Uh, Boyce, what do you think of, I mean, Liverpool's overall performance in the game, obviously taking away that uh, decision that ultimately went against them for that. Um, do you think they could have or should have easily won that game? Or do you think it was more, more a fair reflection, shall we say? I think they could could and should have won that match handedly. You know, I think the reality is it's a rivalry match. So you're always sort of entering into the match at about a 50-50 rate. But this is still a poor Everton team. And it's still an offensively capable Liverpool team, which I think leads to my next point, which is that this loss, it feels like a loss, but the draw is purely and solely on Jurgen Klopp. The idea of not starting Firmino and Coutinho in this game in a in a derby in the Merseyside derby in one of the most important matches of Liverpool's season, watching those two people languish on the bench 
is just ridiculous. Mm. Liverpool plays West Brom at home on Wednesday. So let's not pretend that Jurgen Klopp was using his genius to save players for another important match. He withheld two of their most important players for absolutely no reason whatsoever. Mm. And as we've discussed repeatedly, credit where credit's due, that drag back goal where Mo Salah just diced Everton's defense and then just delivered a perfect ball into the back of the net is something that may very well go down as one of the goals of the year. Mm, It's just, if he has the ability to have Coutinho and Firmino on that team, I I think they win by two or three goals. I, we were still sitting at the bar after the Arsenal match when that Merseyside Derby was being played. And the attitude in the bar was, I think pretty uniform in terms of wondering what in the world Jurgen Klopp was doing. And to this day, I still have absolutely no idea. Uh, right, boys, we're back to you for the last one. It's third spot. Can you get it? As much as I'd really love to talk about Arsenal's beautiful 1-1 draw against Southampton, I have a strange feeling that the third spot is Spurs 5-1 obliteration of Stoke City. <laughs> Do you know what? It actually is not on the list. Um, that, I was surprised by that too. Uh, that is not in the top four. So, Jared, we're going to swing back to you. Can you guess the third spot? Oh, goodness. I, uh, I, I was kind of with voice here. Um... How about Arsenal? Arsenal draw to Southampton. That is it. <laughs> yeah, but that wow. made the well, top, of course it is. <laughs> that made the top four. No, I, I promise you. I mean, I get a list from somewhere. I don't want to say where because it'll ruin it. But uh, it was number three on the list. I thought, really, Spurs snub? Did you not see they got five goals? Anyway, that aside, yes, that is on the list, Jared. You get the two points. Um, so we'll start with you, Jared, on Southampton. I mean, we talked a little bit about them in the past. What what can we take away from this about Southampton, if anything? I mean, obviously an early goal again, Charlie Austin. And do they have anything that they can really use going forward into the season? Well, I think they do. And my hat's off. And frankly, apologies to Charlie Austin. He spoke about Southampton in a uh, in another season defining win earlier this year. And I said, well, you can't really rely on our baseman, Charlie Austin. And he comes out and scores, I think in the sixth minute, uh, uh, against, uh, against Arsenal delighting everyone in St. Mary's, um, maybe running everything through him. I don't know. I still think this is just a, uh, a mid table, uh, Southampton squad. Now they're sitting at 11th. Thanks to the draw, I mean, you have a nice little, uh, you have, I think it's only seven points separate West Brom at 17 and Leicester at nine. So the Southampton are right there in the thick of it. I think uh, they'll, they'll do some work. Uh, uh, they've only have a negative three goal difference. Um, and uh, they'll, they'll go on their way. Unfortunately, I just think they were nipped by the uh, super sub bug in Olivier Giroud. Yeah. Uh, uh, the man, which, by the way, for the record, it was a recorded message at Boyce's wedding. He did not, he was not there. <laughs> he wasn't in a tuxedo. I was surprised Boyce didn't correct me. But yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I held my, I've held my peace until match week uh, uh, 15. Uh, but I, uh, Arsenal looked like they were going to get one. And mm. uh, much to my chagrin, they did. Uh, but um, that just goes to show you don't leave Alexis Sanchez alone on the wing. Uh, and you mark Olivier Giroud in the box. Mm-hmm. So, again, solid performance by Southampton. Uh, I think I can uh, 
predict Boyce's comments and saying that those are points dropped that uh, Arsenal uh, uh, should not need not have dropped. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the interesting thing I find about Arsenal is their away form. I mean, a lot of the games they've played this season away from home have, have not gone their way, and obviously here is another one. Um, so, boys, Mike's over to you. Uh, what do you think Arsenal could do to remedy that? If you know, if anything, in terms of man management or players on the field, what what is the game plan moving forward? Well, I certainly think that Arsene Wenger got his lineup abjectly incorrect this weekend but i will lead with the fact that i'm presently on the arsenal direct website right now looking at official christmas jumpers and after the <laughs> last two weeks i really think it's lacazette that's featured but i really think that uh shkodron musafi laurent kashelny and per murder should be the ones that are modeling these merry christmas santa claus sweaters um after the last two weeks and the goals that they've gifted to manchester united and southampton they are deserving models <laughs> i just think the reality of the situation is how you look at a starting 11 after Arsenal had played a 4-3-3 in the Europa League, I think, the preceding Thursday, and elect to play per Mertesacker in place of an injured Skodron Mustafi against a Southampton team that has ample speed down the wings and through the center is just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You know, If I had the opportunity to be able to do it, you play a 4-3-3 of Bellerin on the wing, and you allow... Kishelny and Montreal in the middle and Kolasinac on the left and then Wilshire in the middle instead of Mertesacker and just play that way. A team that can actually combat Southampton speed. And of course, within six minutes, I think it was actually three minutes, per Mertesacker plays a terrible pass out on the left-hand side, gets absolutely eviscerated by Dusan Tadic, and then in a move that all Arsenal players can't seem to figure out, doesn't just take the yellow card, but instead somehow abjectly falls to his knees. <laughs> yeah. And then Southampton tear him apart in the penalty box and Czech gets beat. You know, it's a situation that looked like a mirror image of the week before. And I think it's due to the starting 11. I think we've become overly reliant on Olivier Giroud coming in and hopefully somehow fashioning a goal, which to his infinite credit, he's been able to do. But the reality is this Arsenal team is actually good enough to play with other teams, but they can't keep handicapping themselves. I don't even care if they just pass it around for 10 minutes and keep it out of the other team's possession and apparently away from the back three. But at this point, they've got to do something to stop the early concessions and, and stop the bleeding. Yeah, yeah boys, This was a, something that I was reading earlier. I was anxious to get your take on it. There was a question of whether or not Pierre Mertesacker should be uh, his footballing career should be over uh, yeah. uh, based on all of this. What, what do you think? I mean, you kind of alluded to that uh, in your analysis, but uh, is, is he done? Well, I think it's really hard to look at per martyr soccer in a negative vantage point, right? I mean, it was only May of 2017 when he stepped into the back three in the FA cup final and somehow wizarded his way through it and dominated Chelsea in that game. He played some really excellent football. And I, I think, after a layoff that no one expected him to be able to do anything of use. But I, I do think that at this point, if you're playing murder soccer in a match, that's not a low level Europa league match or a Carabao cup match or an FA cup match against, you know, championship opposition, you're in trouble, especially if that team has team speed. And I think at this point it was, managerial negligence on the part of Arsene Wenger to put him in the middle of the back three against a Southampton team like that. And the goal 
goes on Vinger as much as it goes on Murder Soccer. I think the thing that really disappointed me about that concession more so than anything wasn't Murder Soccer's lack of speed. It was his lack of decisive decision-making and his failure to just accept a yellow card. If, as an Arsenal fan, you could see that goal formulating from the moment he turned that ball over. Mm. And it was just one of those situations where it was hard in the bar at 6 o'clock in the morning to not just think, here we go again. And, you know, fortunately we got a point away at St. Mary's, which is a place where we very rarely get points. But it obviously feels like two points lost as opposed to one point gained. Right. Uh, on to the next game, which is kind of neat titled Who Said That? The game where each contestant has to guess which manager spoke the words from a post-match conference. This week we're doing Shout Your Name Out, so as soon as you think you know it, give your name a shout, not the other person's, and hopefully you get it right. Okay, so we have four today. Here is number one. It was a difficult game, and I felt that we paid a heavy price for a slow start. Overall, I think the spirit was great. We were sure. relentless. Oh, yes, Jared. Arsene Wenger. Arsene Wenger is absolutely correct. Yes, that gets you the two points. Nice work on that one. Uh, Of course, what we just talked about. Um, So we'll move straight along to the next quote. And here it is. I cannot believe in a game like this, when only one team is trying to win and the other team were never in our box, and then you give it. You open the door. Oh, Jared. I, I don't quite know who got that first. I think it was oh, Jared. That was totally me. It was, I thought it was Boyce. Yeah, go for it, Boyce. Jurgen Klopp. Jurgen Klopp is absolutely correct. Yes, of course, he was talking about the penalty call that was, and he was thus very frustrated about it. But yes, two points for Boyce. Uh, here comes number three. Consistency between now and the end of the season is so important if we want to finish in the top four. The team showed their true quality. Ooh. Jared. Oh, that was like split. I think I beat him again. I think Boyce. I don't know. Yeah, we'll give it to Boyce. Go on, Boyce. Let's give it to you this week. <laughs> uh, Sean Dyche. That is incorrect. It was not Sean Dyche. No, Jared, you get a chance. Mauricio. Mauricio Pochettino is correct. Yes, he was talking about... The lack of consistency that they've had over the last few weeks. And finally, they came out with a 5-1 victory and showed, quote, their true quality. Anyway, um, yes, that is correct. And here is the final quote. There were two really good finishes. They are totally different finishes as well. For the second, from that angle, he's got no right to score. And that's his unique talent. Voice. Yes, voice. Eddie Howe. Eddie Howe is correct. I did hear some frantic mouse clicking, so I hope there's no cheating going on. on the there is not. <laughs> like, find it, find it, find it. Copy it, copy it, paste. Um, but yes. Moonlighting as a stenographer. <laughs> yeah, literally typing it out as I'm saying it. There were two. Um, but yes, you are correct. That gives you the two points. And we're going to swiftly move on to our final game of today, which is, of course, Extra Time. Each player has 60 seconds to discuss a topic without repetition, hesitation, or deviation. This week, I'm throwing in a new rule, which is small words are fine. So in, of, it, at, any words with two letters or less are fine. So you can't call someone out on one of those words. Anything with three letters or more is fair game. Um, Boyce is going to go first this week, and to make it extra fun, uh, Boyce, you get to choose between two categories, okay? 
So your yeah. two categories are rules or managers. Rules or managers. Which one do you want? Managers. Managers. Right. For 60 seconds, boys, please discuss Eddie Howell. Your time starts now. The once and future king and apparently potential next successor to Arsene Wenger. Mm-hmm. I think... Eddie Howe has demonstrated throughout the course of his three seasons in the EPL that he has the talent to be able to coach at a high level, but it remains to be seen how he would handle a more talented lineup. Bournemouth are middling in the bottom half of the table. And it seems unlikely that they will ever progress. Challenge. Oh, we got a challenge from Jared. What is it? They. They. Yeah. Oh, come on. Rules. I feel as though <laughs> pronouns are excluded from this particular thing. But <laughs> well, maybe maybe in next week's uh, edition we'll uh, we'll throw in uh, pronouns too. But for now, uh, we'll give Jared the uh, the correct challenge. So, Jared, you have thirteen seconds. Please complete the discussion of Eddie Howe. Your time starts now. Eddie Howe was a player not too many years ago. And the fact... And that's the time! Nice work, Jared. You stole the points right in there. Good stuff. Um, And, Jared, you get the next topic. So you get, uh, like Boyce, you get two choices... And your choices are player or strategy. Which would you like? Hmm, strategy. Strategy. All right. For 60 seconds, please discuss 4-4-2. Your time starts now. If you have the personnel, it works. Being (laughs) able to have a high press... I think lends itself to a more exciting brand of football, but I would really prefer a four five with a lone striker up top Spurs employed this last season with Kyle Walker and Danny Rose running up and down the flanks and a solid Belgian defense of Jan Vertonghen. Oh, that's a challenge. Yes, boys. Uh, to the earlier levels, I believe he used have twice. Have twice. I heard that as well, yeah. And I will, I will point out this too. Uh, deviation is also something you can call them out on. And Jared did start to deviate a little bit towards Spurs uh, instead <laughs> of four four two. So just to kind <laughs> of throw that in there. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, boys, you do get the uh, the topic. Please discuss... Four four two for seventeen seconds. Your time starts now. Four four two would be a lovely formation for Arsenal to employ at some point this campaign. I would like to see Olivier Giroud. And that's the time. Nice work, boys. Also snagging the two points. And that is how it's done. Right, that is all we have time for. I'm going to add up these scores. And it looks like, believe it or not, 
Jared has once again taken the W by a single point. Boyce got 10, Jared got 11. Close game. Once again, Jared is now leading the series 4 to 1. So, Boyce, we've got some work to do. Um, any words of victory, Jared? I will. Oh, I was just going to say, I may have lost, but I got a lot off my chest. <laughs> so, I'll take the loss, hat in hand. A loss is a win. <laughs> Jared, any I, thoughts? I always look forward to your insights, Mr. Richardson, and thank you, Mr. Rose, our illustrious host. <laughs> Appreciate it, appreciate it. Uh, but that's all we have time for. Like I said, thanks again to Skype for being our technical providers. Uh, and, of course, Christian Benteke and his hilarious penalty miss. Uh, that was just a moment of genius. But anyway, uh, be sure to check out our brand new website, whokickthecornerflag.wordpress.com. And, of course, our Twitter page, at kickcornerflag, for football analysis and punditry. Uh, that's all again. So thanks so much. Take it easy. Have a good week. And bye-bye.